and share something that's just so neat with you. Uh, Carol and I, this coming January, have been married. What will be our 22nd year. And when we first got married, married, we came to uh, Palestine, and we had been involved, gotten involved in a, a different church here in town. And there was a guy that I met at that church who had come from Guatemala, and just his um, his passion for Jesus was just so. Um, inspiring and just drew me to him and we hit it off. Uh, we began hanging out a lot, working out every morning and um, he really, I mean just his passion for the Lord had such an effect on me and he was pouring in into me at that time and and so who I am today, I attribute a lot of that to, to Mariano's influence in my life. Well, eventually God called us away from that church to, to ET here and Mariano went to move to Nebraska to begin pastoring churches up there. And so for 20 years, we haven't had any contact with each other at all. Um, while he was up there, he, he started pastoring a, a, a different church. He was just there not too long. And there was a, this older couple in his church that some of the people there had kind of graciously given him a heads up on. You know, there's always somebody in the church like, you need to watch these people right here because they can be a little, you know, just a kind of judgmental. And then if there's a problem, they're going to be the ones that are going to point it out and then this and that. And uh, so Mariona hadn't been there very long at all, but they got called to be a part of this um, local missions kind of organization thing that they were doing. And so for three months, they were going to go work at um, a children's home and then come back at the end of that three months. Well, at the end of that three months, they came back and just told Mario, we've been set free. We've just absolutely been set free, and they came back different. Mariano didn't know where they were. All they knew it was in Texas somewhere, but um, I want you to hear from this couple. Some of y'all may actually uh, recognize them, but watch this. We're Ruth and Jean Novak, and uh, we, are in, we were in MAPS, and... Uh, went down to your wonderful city, um, led by the Lord. Um, we went to two or three, we went to two or three assembly churches and just, we knew that was not a good fit for us. And so then we went to Pastor Jason's church and the Lord just ministered in a wonderful way to our hearts to be set free. Both Jean and I were raised in a very legalistic church um, it was what you did or didn't do that your salvation was rested upon. So many things. And then when the pastor, that's that, uh, when he read in Galatians, we, it seemed like every time we'd go to church and he would preach on being set free. And I thought, how can I be set free? I mean, I know the Lord, but how can I be set free? And uh, we just sit and and I would just think on the things that the pastor said and if he or Galatians 5 Galatians 5 says I'll find it here in a minute it is for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery and I thought you know I am in slavery to all these things that the pastor was preaching that I was going to go to hell if I did any of it or thought any of it or um, I, I, 
I couldn't make it anyway. But but it was through Pastor Jason when he preached from Galatians, and I would say to Jean, oh, I needed that so desperately today. I needed that so desperately. I need to be set free. I need to just love the Lord with all my heart and, um, and not try to please a pastor and not try to please people in a church. And, and, um, but this pastor would try to catch us in things, and then he'd say, see, you're not, you're not living for God. Mm. When I heard this scripture, we were sitting, oh, we about halfway up. About halfway up in the congregation, and the pastor had finished his sermon, and then he had just a time of praise and worship. And it was during that time of praise and worship that I had my Bible open, I am set free. And um, Lord, I, I, I need to walk in that freedom, but show me how, show me how to do that. And I, I, we were sitting about halfway up and, and um, I didn't go forward. I just sat there and meditated on what the word was ministering to me. And uh, there were several people that had gone forward and, and then the rest of them just sat and, and sang choruses um, just prayerfully to the Lord. And, um, and I, I just kept saying, Lord, I needed to hear this so desperately. I needed to be healed on the inside. And um, I needed to be set free. And I need to know that you love me. It isn't what I do or don't do, that you just love me. That's why you gave your life. <laughs> and as I sat there and just meditated on that, I just sat with my eyes closed and, and just was just, the Lord was ministering to me and talking to me and and uh, it just seemed like the Lord was saying just accept just accept this freedom just accept um, being forgiven and that you love me and that anything I do or don't do would make you love me more or less and uh, so when and we just sat there a long time didn't yeah. we we just sat people would go to the altar they, then they would leave and go back and we were probably one of the last ones there and um, and I said to Gene, are you ready to go? And he said, yes. And I said, are you free? And he said, yes. And um, <laughs> so we were both kind of set free that, yeah. that one day. And then we started out, you know, toward, towards the door. And I just kept saying to Gene, I needed that so desperately. I needed to hear that so desperately. And I, I'm so thankful I am free. <laughs> and it was just a, a miracle to me. Although I had, you know, I had lived for the Lord for a long time, yeah. but not really free because I kept hearing the, the thoughts of the pastor. He would preach it from the pulpit and it just was not good. Mm. It was not good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> So God put Marion on and I together 20 years ago, no contact for 20 years. He's at a church in Nebraska and sends a couple here to Palestine, Texas to ET for three months, which was during the time we were going through the whole series on the book of Galatians because God wanted them to hear that, to go back to his church. And when they told him what they told him what church it was. He was like, what? I know that guy. 
But anyway, I want y'all to meet Mario real quick. Mario, come up here. Give him an ET welcome this morning. Did I say Mario again? Get one. Um, isn't our God just amazing? Come on, just give me a clap to Jesus. We serve such an amazing God. Now, I do have to correct this though, Pastor Jason. I did call him six years ago. And I pastor, I was just so moved. I mean, what are the chances of that? I mean, what are the chances of that? That God will have bring these people who desperately needed freedom. To a place, because if they wouldn't heard his stuff from me, they were used to pleasing the pastor. You know, they were used to doing, but because that's what they were trained about doing and not being. And bring them here, and when she said, I, I, you know, they came back, and we welcomed them and, in the service, and they're waiting in the back for me, and, and so I knew they wanted to say something, and so I went at the end of the service, and she said, I can tell you still where I was standing. And she said, the Lord has set me free. And I'm thinking, are you singing? I mean, what are you saying? And, and she started crying and she said, I'm free of legalism and religion. And come on, yes. All of her Christian life, she's been there. But this is the God we serve. And I want to encourage you with two things. First, so I did call you. And he, he's like, oh, awesome. But he was just so busy. I thought, okay, well, this is good. Maybe it was just for me. And now here we are, because this is for us. I want to encourage you. Listen, prayers do not have an expiration date. What you pray is still resonating in heaven, so do not let it go. And number two, you know, here in in Galatians chapter 6, and I'm just going to read this verse. It says, verse 9, do not grow weary in doing good. Because in due season, you will reap your reward. If you're planting good seed, listen, I want to encourage your heart today. Do not give it up. Because God is able. The Lord said to me at the beginning of the year that he was, this was the year for us of digging, redigging the old wells. That he was just going to give us some new ones, but he was redigging the old ones. And being here right now with Jason. God's redigging that will that God has given me 20 years ago. So thank you for having me and thank you. You know what was so cool about that couple, the way they got set free in that moment? She said everybody was going down to the altar and all this stuff. You know, they've always been taught you got to do, you got to jump through hoops, you got to do this, whatever you do to get something from God. And everybody was going down to the altar, and God said, No, you just stay right there. You don't have to do anything, just receive. For Him to do it that way for them is just, that's Him. He's awesome. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis chapter. 27 this morning. We're going to be looking at a story that I'm sure most, if not every one of you, are pretty familiar with. It's a story of Jacob and Esau, and there's always been something in that that I've wondered about, and I thought about it again a couple weeks ago, and so I've been studying on it in light of the gospel, and 
of course, wanted to share it with you, um, what I discovered and what I believe the Holy Spirit has revealed in this. Instead of beginning the message with the reading of the text like we usually do, I'm going to first spend a few minutes just setting this up because it's important to understand the background here. The story of Jacob and Esau really begins with their grandfather, Abraham. God told Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this was the beginning of the building of the people that God would choose and use to make himself known to the world. Through them, through the Hebrew people, through Abraham's descendants, all the other nations of the world would know what God was like. And so Abraham was blessed with the promise that God's great purposes would be carried out through his descendants. And that promise was sealed with a covenant that God made with Abraham, ratified by the shedding of blood, the command that every Hebrew male was to be circumcised was the outward sign of this blood covenant that had been made with God. So to say that the Hebrew people were a people of destiny would be a great understatement. And they understood the gravity of the responsibility that they held as God's people. And God designed this whole thing in such a way that the firstborn son of each generation would be responsible for carrying on that legacy. In the pursuit to fulfill their destiny that they had from God, the firstborn son would pick up and carry that responsibility that was passed to them by their father. Now, the further they got down that generational line, the less serious they began taking that responsibility. And the image of God that they were to reflect became more and more distorted. But here in Genesis 27, we're just three generations into it. And so the weight of this calling, this responsibility, this destiny that they had was still really heavy. If you remember the story of Abraham, he was given this great promise that descended or, or that uh, centered around his descendants. And of course, in order for that to happen, he would have to have a son. But the older he got, the more worried he got because he didn't have a son. I mean, his wife Sarah was way beyond childbearing years. And so it appeared that this great promise that he had from God was doomed to fail right out of the gate because he needed an, an heir. For this whole thing to work, God promised them that they would have a son. But instead of trusting him and waiting on God, they decided to take matters into their own hands. So Sarah suggests that he take her servant, Hagar, so that he can have a son through her. And so foolishly he did, and Ishmael was born. And even though Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn son, he was not the son that God promised him. He promised that the blessed son would come from Sarah. God's promises always come to pass. And so Sarah eventually did miraculously conceive the son that God promised to carry on the blessing was born and his name was Isaac. And so Isaac receives the promise and the blessing of God that was given to Abraham. He is now the blessed son. He eventually grows up and he has two sons of his own twins named Jacob and Esau. And this is where the story takes a twist. Esau came out first. And so he would be considered the firstborn 
to carry on that legacy. But before they were born, the Lord told their mother, Rebecca, that the older would serve the younger, which meant that Jacob would be the blessed son rather than Esau. Now, Jacob and Esau couldn't have been any more different. Esau was a rough, hairy, outdoorsy guy who loved to hunt. Jacob was a smooth-skinned mama's boy who just loved to hang around the house and cook. He was definitely an unlikely banner bearer for the family. One day Esau comes in from hunting all day long and he's starving to death, literally in his mind. And he sees Jacob cooking like he always was and he asks him for some of it. And Jacob tells him, he said, I'll sell it to you for your birthright. Now, the birthright was the monetary inheritance given to the firstborn son after the father's death. Whatever uh, the inheritance was to the children, the firstborn son always got a double portion of that. And there was a good reason for this that had everything to do with their responsibility of carrying on the legacy. Because it was such a great responsibility, it was important for that son to be supplied with everything that he needed in order to be successful at carrying this on for the family. And so the birthright ensured that he would have the adequate resources that he would need in order to do that. Esau responded to Jacob by saying, what good is a birthright going to be to me if I die? And so he traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now, just because he sold his birthright did not mean he gave up his role as the blessed son. He would still be the one to carry on the legacy. He just wouldn't have the resources to do that that he normally would have had had he not sold that. But for him to even do that showed that he did not take this role very seriously. Years later, their father Isaac is old and he has become blind. And he knows he has come to the end of his life, so he calls for Esau And he tells him to go out and kill something and prepare it for him to eat, prepare his favorite dish, bring it to him. And after he ate it, he was going to pass on to him the blessing that he received from his father, Abraham. Rebecca hears this. And so she goes to Jacob and tells him to disguise himself as his brother. Go get some animal hair and tie it to your arms and take your brother's coat and put it on so you'll smell like him. She said, I'll go prepare your father's favorite meal and you take it into him and, and let him bless you instead. And so Jacob does. Isaac comes, or, or Jacob comes into his father's tent and Isaac said, who is it? And he said, it's your son Esau. And Isaac said, well, you don't sound like Esau. Come over here closer to me. And so he feels of his arms and he smells of his coat. And he said, surely this is Esau. And so he believes it's him. And after eating the meal, he passes that blessing on to Jacob. We're going to read what happens next. Genesis 27. We're going to pick up with verse 30. So let's all stand as we receive God's word this morning. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Isaac, his father said to him, who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. 
And he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now behold, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I've made him your master. And all his relatives I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for your word and the truths that are in this, Lord, for us today. Lord, that song we sang just a minute ago, blow mighty breath of God. Lord, I pray that your breath would blow through your word, that your truth would just sweep over us, Lord, and and move things just like the wind does. Move things out of us that don't reflect you. Move things into us that we need to seep deep down into our hearts. Jesus, would you be revealed? In your name we pray, amen. So every time I've read this story, it just seemed a bit odd to me that Esau would have such a strong reaction to this. And it's not just him. I mean, Isaac's reaction is just as strong because verse 33 said that when he figured out what had happened, he trembled violently. But you can just hear the desperation and despair Esau had in this. It says he cried out with an exceedingly loud and bitter cry and that he lifted his voice and wept. There was a tremendous grieving over this. And I've always read that and thought, well, what in the world was such a big deal here? Because I think a lot of us probably read this and we think, well, this should be an easy fix. Just bless Esau too. Just say some good words to him like you did to Jacob. What's the big deal? Or bring Jacob back and take it back from him and give it to Esau because Jacob got it from deceiving him in the first place. He didn't deserve to keep that. But that assumption comes from a misunderstanding of what this blessing actually meant. First, let's look at the actual blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob. It's still there in Genesis 27, starting in verse 28. He said, Now may God give of you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now, this wasn't just something Isaac was hoping for. This was a prophetic word of the Lord being spoken. This was the word of God going forth, which does not return to him empty. It wasn't wishful thinking. It was a divine declaration of what was going to take place. This was for sure going to come to pass. And notice that it included part of what God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And so even though he wasn't technically the firstborn son, Jacob now becomes the blessed son to fulfill God's purpose. 
Jacob was now the representative of his people before God. The covenant that God made with Abraham, with Abraham was now considered to be between God and Jacob. The people were, were, would be able to receive the benefits of that covenant because Jacob was one of them. In fact, God would later change Jacob's name to Israel. And because God is faithful and he is true to his promises, he would ensure that Jacob had everything he needed to fulfill his destiny as the representative of God's people. That meant Jacob was blessed with tremendous amount of material wealth. And so God gave Jacob not just what he needed, but over and above what he needed, which is a picture of just God's grace in our life. Esau, on the other hand, wouldn't have any of that. He was just left to survive and scratch out an existence on his own, which I'm sure was one of the the big reasons that he was so grieved over not receiving this. But here's why Isaac couldn't just take it back and give it to Esau. If you're following along in the notes there in your bulletin, this is the first point. Curses could be broken, but blessings could never be taken back. Curses could be broken, but blessings could never be taken back. I mean, God said as much in Isaiah 55 when he said, My word, which goes forth from my mouth, will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire. The blessing from the fathers passed on to the sons was the word of the Lord. And so that's why Isaac couldn't just take it back from Jacob. So what does all this mean for us. Oh, church, it means everything. You see, this whole story is just one part of a much bigger story that you and I are included in. The promise that God made to Abraham wasn't just about Abraham and the Jewish people. The people whom God chose to be the ones who would reflect his nature and show the world that what he was like was just a shadow that was being cast by the ultimate chosen one of God who is the exact representation of him on earth. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. One of his disciples, I think it was Thomas, said, Jesus, just show us the Father and it will be enough. And Jesus said, don't you know, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. In Exodus chapter 4, God is telling Moses what to say to Pharaoh. And this this is so telling here. And in verse 22, he says this, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And so God refers to the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, as his firstborn son. And then Paul just referred to Jesus as the firstborn of God. When God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many descendants through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed, he was ultimately talking about Jesus. Look what Paul says in Galatians 3.8. This, this is just Mind-boggling. He said, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Now watch. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. 
So for God saying that, it said he was preaching the gospel, which means he was talking about Jesus. Church, Jesus is the one who fulfilled what Israel couldn't. The image of God that they distorted, Jesus reflected flawlessly. The law that they couldn't keep, Jesus obeyed to perfection. He was the blessed son that no Hebrew son could ever live up to. Next point, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise and blessing given to Abraham. And just like the covenant that God made with Abraham was ratified through the shedding of blood of the circumcision, God made a new covenant with Jesus that was ratified through the shedding of his blood on the cross. So look at this. God made a covenant with Abraham. And when Abraham died, Isaac stepped up as the covenant representative. When Isaac died, Jacob then became the blessed son who represented the people. Because he was one of them, then the people would receive the benefits of that covenant that was made. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He had to be fully man because we needed a qualified representative. He became one of us so that we could then receive the benefits of the covenant that was made between him and the Father. Now then, this next part is what should really make you want to shout. If this isn't good news, I don't know what to tell you. Remember, curses could be broken. Promises could never be taken back. Apart from Christ, <laughs> apart from Christ, we are all under the curse of sin, held accountable to the law that is impossible for us to keep. Look at what Galatians three thirteen and 14 says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, watch this, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of spirit, promise of the spirit through faith. So that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Who's that? That's you and me. That's us. The promise that God made to Abraham so many thousands of years ago, that's yours. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Guess what? That's yours. And you know what? It can never be taken back. Never be taken back. If that's not the best assurance of the security of our salvation, then I just don't know what is. If you're in Christ, you belong to the people that God has chosen to have for himself. In Christ, you have an an identity. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. God says, you know what? You get the privilege of being a part of something that's been on my mind since the beginning of time. Something Abraham could see but not touch. Something Moses could pursue but never fully arrive at. Something David could sing about but never fully experience himself. Something so cataclysmic, so other than that the prophets of the Old Testament had a hard time describing adequately what they saw with their limited capacity. Paul calls it in Colossians 1.26 the mystery that has been hidden from 
past generations and ages past, but has now been manifested to his saints. That's us. And remember the birthright? It was the double portion of the father's inheritance given to the blessed son to ensure his success. For you to fulfill the destiny that God has chosen you for in Christ, he has given you all the resources you need. 2 Peter 1.3 says that his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.11, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose. Listen, it doesn't matter what kind of earthly heritage you come from. Your anthem may be the Kevin Fowler song, I come from a long line of losers. Your heritage may be marked with addiction, divorce, abandonment, abuse, poverty, whatever. More than likely, you've believed the lie that because of that, you are cursed and doomed to follow that same pattern. Listen to me. If you are in Christ, that curse has been broken. That curse has been broken and you've been given a promise that can never be taken back. You have been given a new heritage. You belong to a better family. You have a greater destiny. You now have a higher purpose and God has assured your success in it. And here's the last thing I want to point out about this story in Genesis 27. It was part of God's plan for Jacob to be the blessed son, instead of Esau. And he used, you can see there, all sorts of human actions to make sure it happened. Good actions, bad actions, a mixture of both. There was deception, manipulation, apathy. There was also faith and perseverance and ambition. God worked through both good and evil To carry out his purpose. And you know what? He's still doing that today. The greatest example we have of this is the cross. Jesus was falsely accused. He was tried all night long in an illegal court hearing. He was murdered to preserve the position and power of people in high places. Those are bad things. Those are actions that have absolutely nothing to do with the character and nature of God. Yet he used those very things to carry out his divine plan in Jesus. Listen to what Peter said about that. In Acts chapter 4, he's gathered with other disciples and they're praying. And part of Peter's prayer says this, starting in verse 27. For truly in this city they were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, evil guy, Pontius Pilate, evil guy, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel who called for his crucifixion to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. God didn't just use those actions to carry out his purpose. He predestined for them to occur. You know what else he predestined to occur? 
for you to be sitting in this building right now. Listening to him tell you how blessed you are in Christ. Listen to him tell you your family curse is broken. You've been transferred to a better family. If you're in him, you have been attached to the blessing and promises of God. He has a great purpose for your life, and there is nothing in this world that can prevent his purposes from being accomplished. So what that means is that everything that you encounter in this life, no matter how difficult, how painful, or how unfair it may be, God is working through every single one of those actions for your good and his glory. You know, the number one thing that we ask God for when we pray is a blessing. Lord, bless this food, bless this service, bless this trip, bless this house, bless whatever. Just bless it. Could it be that we spend so much time asking God for a blessing because we just really don't realize how blessed we really are? That we've received the blessing of Abraham? I mean, come on. How much more blessed can you get than that? Maybe it would do us good to spend less time looking for these little blessings and more time thanking and praising God for the blessing that we have in him and trusting his faithfulness to that blessing to such a degree that we start living for the kingdom with absolute abandon. Absolute abandon. Let's pray. God, I truly believe that there are people in here right now that you have been looking forward to this day for. There's some truth in your word here that they've been needing to hear. Lord, I know that we have an enemy in this world and he's tried to throw so many roadblocks up to that. Lord, he's tried to throw so many lies at them so that wouldn't, they wouldn't believe this truth, God, that it would sound too good to be true for them. But God, you are faithful. There is nothing that can stop your will from being done. Nothing that can prevent your purposes from being accomplished. So God, if your purpose was for them to hear this and to be set free in some way, Lord, I thank you that there was nothing that came against them that you allowed to stop, to stop that from happening. God, you are so good. Lord, those that may be going through one of those painful and unfair situations right now, Lord, it's just been gut-wrenching and agonizing to them. Lord, I pray that they're able to just stop in the middle of this and praise you and thank you for the fact that you're even using this to accomplish your good purpose in them. God, thank you for loving us the way you do. We're so undeserving of it. 
We don't deserve this promise. We don't deserve a curse to be broken. We don't deserve to receive the benefits of the covenant that you made with your son. God, you're so good for allowing us to be a part of it. Help us, Lord, to just receive it. To just receive it and bask in your goodness. And use it to fulfill our purpose in you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come and just have your way in the remainder of this service. Lord, for those that need to deal with something that you're speaking them with and come down here to the front and have somebody pray for them, Lord, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to do that. God, for those that are praying with people, I pray that you would give them prophetic words, God, that you would just speak life and truth over those people. Lord, I pray for wounded hearts to be healed. I pray for chains to be broken before we walk out of here this morning, God. We just submit ourselves to you and ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.